Hi everyone, it's Michael May here. I wanted to let you know about another podcast I'm making called Fuel for the Future. It's a podcast that takes you on a high-octane journey through the heart of automotive culture. Every episode, we dive under the hood to explore fascinating themes and untold stories from the automotive world. From the sleek lines of classic cars to the cutting-edge technology driving the future of transportation. Fuel for the Future brings you closer to the people, innovations, and history that powers our journeys. Look, if you listen to A Study of Strange, you know I love history and a good story. And even though this is an entirely different genre of show, we're still bringing you amazing stories that you don't have to just be a seasoned gearhead to enjoy. This is a show for everybody. So subscribe now to Fuel for the Future on your favorite podcast platform and tune in to our next adventure. Fuel for the Future is brought to you by State Farm Insurance and driven by America's Automotive Trust. Let's drive into the future together. Welcome to A Study of Strange, the podcast where we discuss the world's most perplexing and crazy strange mysteries. I'm Michael May, and today on this mini-sode, I'm going to share two of the most baffling stories related to professional basketball. For those of you that aren't aware, (laughs) and you're probably not, there's one topic I'm way more knowledgeable about than strange historical mysteries, and that's the NBA. I'm an obsessive NBA basketball fan, and I have been since the early 1990s. So naturally, at some point, I had to find some kind of crossover, and today is that day. I'm going to share the disappearances of Urgle Slim Wintermute and Bison Dele, aka Brian Williams, two star athletes, two mysteries, both of them related to disappearances out on the open ocean, and they're shrouded in unanswered questions. So let's get into it. Our first story revolves around Urgel Wintermute, also known as Slim. He was a towering figure in the early days of American basketball. Slim was born on July 9, 1917, in Portland, Oregon. And his journey to basketball stardom began in Longview, Washington, where he worked on his skills before attending the University of Oregon. As a 6'8 center for the Oregon Ducks, Slim was pivotal in the team's success. In those days, in the late 1930s, the average height of centers in college and professional basketball was not what it is today. People were, or I should say athletes at the time, were shorter in basketball. So by him standing at six foot eight, that's very much like akin to Victor Wimbamyama, who's well over seven feet, who plays for the Spurs nowadays. It's a, it's a very similar type of height advantage in basketball at the time. And in 1939, it was a pivotal year for Slim and the Oregon Ducks. The NCAA tournament, a now iconic event, was in its inaugural year. Slim and his teammates, dubbed the Tall Furs, made history by winning the very first NCAA championship. Slim's imposing height and skillful play inside were crucial to the victory. He wasn't just a player, he was a symbol of the team's grit, their determination and their skill, simply stated, he was a star player. After college, Slim's professional career was brief but notable. He played for the Detroit Eagles of the National Basketball League, which is a precursor to today's NBA. 
He also took up the role of player coach for the Portland Indians, showcasing his leadership on and off the court. Slim's life after basketball was less about sports and more about a regular job, being a normal person, where he worked for Boeing for a very long time. Then, decades later, our mystery begins. Let's paint a picture of Slim Wintermute's final known day. It was October 21st, 1977, and Slim set sail from Portage Bay in Seattle's Lake Union. It was around 7 a.m. Slim was a man without any known enemies, a former sports hero, well-respected, living a quiet life, and he ventured into the waters, which is something that he had done many times before. There's a version of this story that says his boat was found adrift a few days later, but I don't think that's true. The version that is more likely to be true is that his boat was found adrift around 2 p.m. that same day that he left, because on board was a friend of Slim's. And this gentleman was asleep in the cabin. Slim, however, was nowhere to be found, and his friend claimed that when he went to bed to take a nap, Slim was still on board. During this time, there were no distress signals or communications, and suspicion, as far as I've been able to surmise, never fell onto his friend for any foul play. To this day, no one knows what happened to the former NCAA champion. Theories about Slim's disappearance are as mysterious as the event itself. Was it an accident? Did a man simply fall overboard? Or did something more sinister happen? Could this friend who was on board, whose name I actually have yet to find, by the way, could this guy have killed Wintermute? As you can assume, a lot of people do speculate that foul play could be involved. However, I'll be quick to point out that no evidence supports this theory. The lack of distress signals, communication, that adds necessary layers to make this an enduring mystery. But we know for sure, Slim's boat was found, but Slim was gone. Leaving us with many questions, and probably unlikely to ever solve this mystery. Ergel Slim Wintermute's story is an important one to basketball history. His Oregon Ducks team is a significant basketball team in the history of the sport, and his legend as an early big man pioneer of basketball, unfortunately, is overshadowed by his disappearance. And now we're turning to an even more dramatic story, one that I have followed since it happened, that of Bison Dele, also known as Brian Williams, a player I am very familiar with. Dele was born Brian Williams on April 6, 1969 in Fresno, California. He was destined for basketball greatness. At 6 feet 11 inches, he was a force to be reckoned with on the court. His journey to the NBA began with the Orlando Magic, my hometown favorite team by the way. They drafted him as the 10th overall pick in 1991. He dealt with some early injuries in his career, and in 1992 the Magic drafted uh, a little basketball player known as Shaquille O'Neal, which limited Dele's playing time. His career was a, a whirlwind of moves early on from Orlando to Denver and then the Los Angeles Clippers, and eventually he landed with the Chicago Bulls, where he achieved the ultimate victory, an NBA championship in 1997. 
He joined the Bulls team late that season, but he added a valuable low post asset to the Bulls that helped them win that championship. His career trajectory was going up. He became the highest paid player on the Detroit Pistons the next few seasons, but then things changed. Williams, and I'm referring to him as Williams at this point in the story because that was still his name at this time, he was more than just a basketball player. In 1998, he legally changed his name to Bison Dele, a tribute to his Native American and African heritage. And this is a move that symbolized his quest for identity and self-expression, I can only assume. But Dele showed that he wasn't just interested in being a basketball player. He played multiple instruments. He loved adventure traveling. He became interested in sailing and yachting, and he even got his pilot's license. Because of this, he retired suddenly from the NBA in 1999 at the age of 30. And it shocked the sports world. I still remember when this happened, and it was a big, big deal. He walked away from a $36 million contract with the Detroit Pistons. He left behind a life of fame and fortune. So what led to this abrupt decision? Was it those interests that I mentioned earlier? Some say that he lost a passion for the game, or maybe he never even had it. And others speculate that he had this deeper personal quest to travel the world and experience life beyond basketball and fame. But one thing is clear, Bison Dele was searching for something beyond the basketball court. So we're going to fast forward a few years to 2002, and Bison Dele was last seen setting sail on July 6th, 2002 from Tahiti. He was on his catamaran, the Hakuna Matata, alongside him on board were his girlfriend, Serena Carlin, the boat's skipper, Bertrand Saldo, and a figure central to this mystery, Dele's brother, Miles DeBoard. Miles DeBoard, born Kevin Williams, was a man with his own complexities, much like his sibling. Unlike his brother, though, DeBoard's life was marked by financial struggles, and the relationship was fraught with tension, a key element in this unfolding tragedy. Weeks after their departure, the Hakuna Matata returned to Tahiti, but Bison Dele, Serena Carlin, Bertrand Saldo were not on board. Only Miles DeBoard was on the boat. So what happened to those people? What happened on that boat? Was it a deadly fight, an accidental death spun out of control, a storm knocking passengers off the boat? The truth remains murky. DeBoard's later actions the use of his brother's identity to attempt to buy and sell gold, and his subsequent suicide by an insulin overdose, only deepens this mystery. The FBI and French authorities investigated this case, and they found that DeBoard had purchased weights, which could have been used to help bodies sink under the water, showing that he planned the murders. DeBoard claimed that what happened was he and his brother had a fight and Carlin had been accidentally hit and died when she fell and hit her head on the boat. When Saldo wanted to report her death, a panicked Dele killed him. DeBoard then shot his brother in self-defense. He then threw all the bodies overboard. So that's his claim. But the FBI found no evidence to support DeBoard's story. 
there were also bullet holes found in the boat that DeBoard had tried to patch up. Now, as I said, Miles DeBoard committed suicide, and because of that, he left a lasting, sad memory that we may never get closure on or find out what really happened. Bison Dele met a tragic end. Once a basketball hero, a champion, his final chapter is left as an unsolved mystery that we will never get answers to. Thank you for listening to this mini-sode of A Study of Strange. If you enjoy this type of content, please check out our regular episodes where we go much deeper into these things, along with a variety of guests that are on each episode. And also take a quick second right now to click that subscribe or follow button, and please leave us a rating and review. The best way to support the show, if you're so interested, is to check out our Substack and become a subscriber on there. You can find the information for that on our website, astudyofstrange.com. Thank you. We have a big episode coming out next week. So stay tuned and good night.